When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. Well, we used to look up in the sky and wonder at our place in the stars. Now we just look down and worry about our place in the dirt. Quite frankly, everybody else has an interest in sending you to the electric chair. I'm rude. This is Simon Rose. You join me as I am joined by James Cameron Wilson for The Business of Film, a reflective business of film where we're looking back at various things. So what are we going to look back upon, James? Well, I think we should look back on 2022. This is my favourite time of year, in spite of the extreme cold and the cost of living crisis and everything else, because... um, a lot of very good films they're showing to the critics at the moment, moment, hoping that they will get some kind of Oscar glory next March, March the 12th. Mm. So, But this being a chart show, before we get on to my favourites, I thought we'd look at the top 10 highest grossing films in the United Kingdom. And to make it more fun, let's go start at number 10 and move upwards to number one. And I'm going to start with a film which made £24 million, directed by Ruben Fleischer and starring the box office legend that is Tom Holland, in spite of his extreme youth, and Mark Wahlberg, which, of course, is uncharted. At number nine, this was a film I detested, with James Marsden and Jim Carrey, which made... £26,724,000, which was a very quick off-the-mark sequel called Sonic the Hedgehog 2. There's an original title for you. <laughs> uh, number eight with 27... I've, I've, I've 27 million. I don't know if I need to sort of no. tell you the, the, the figures. <laughs> uh, this is Baz Luhrmann's film with Tom Hanks in a fat suit. And the brilliant Austin Butler, who I nominated for Best Actor in the London Film Critics Circle Awards. Elvis, number seven, a film that I liked considerably. Well, you didn't like the original. This is another sequel. This is called Sing 2. In fact, there are a hell of a lot of sequels and remakes in the top ten. You didn't like Sing as much as I did. And I thought it was a blast of joy. I really enjoyed it. Anyway, Sing 2 did really well with almost 33 million. At number six, we've got Jurassic World Dominion, another sequel, which made 35 million, which I really enjoyed because, as you know, I love You dinosaurs. like anything to do with dinosaurs. I do. I'm a bit yeah. of a child when it comes to dinosaurs. Yes. Uh, what about, what about not... Barney? Barney was a dinosaur. I bet you didn't enjoy that. <laughs> no, I don't think he was quite as credible. That's what Steven Spielberg possibly, possibly true. I got yes. quite irritated with uh, his his purple highness. Uh, I I thought Thor: Love and Thunder was appalling. I'm afraid, which was at number five with Chris Hemsworth, of course, and Natalie Portman. 
And at number four, this is a film direct. I'm, I'm going to let you guess what this is. This is oh, a I film directed by. Yes, yeah, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about it. It's directed yeah. by Matt Reeves, and Colin Farrell is in it playing the villain. Okay, Robert Pattinson is also in it. Oh, I don't think I can remember what that is. I, uh, it's there's a vague recollection, and no more than that, I'm afraid, James. Okay, the Batman. Oh, right, yes. Made a lot so, of money, almost which I didn't see, probably because you put me off seeing it. So yeah. it was very long, very gloomy, very dark, yeah. very boring, hard to understand. No, it was not my, but it, it was nowhere near as bad as the film at number three, which is with <laughs> Chiwetel Ejiofor, and in the title role, the. Oscar-nominated Benedict Cumberbatch. The film is Doctor Strange oh, be, in the Multiverse yes, yeah, of yeah. Madness, which came out at the same time as Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which was also a multiverse of madness. But got Which I, reviews. yes, unlike you, you I got, really liked you got that it. enormously. I, I didn't get it. You got it. And it's it was getting so much Oscar buzz, including possibly an Oscar is for it? Best Film of the Year. Really? Yeah. Oh, that surprised me. I wouldn't have and all that. cast members. Michelle Yeoh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh. oh, well, I'm slightly surprised, but uh, yeah, I did enjoy. I did enjoy it, but I haven't found many other people who've seen it. Uh, it's done very well um, all over. Oh, well, with, splendid! Um, I think the Golden Globes as well. Oh, how splendid! Oh well, I'm I'm pleased about that. Um, Michelle Yeoh has got a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress. Certainly, uh, wouldn't call it a conventional movie. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert have both been nominated for Best Director. Jamie Lee Curtis has been nominated for Best Supporting Actress for the film. I have uh, just realised the film. Oh, yeah, go on. Best Supporting Actor, and you know who he is. No. The little boy who accompanied Indiana Jones. Really? It's that oh, little boy. Yeah, it's now got the male lead in everything, everywhere, all at once. And he's I been did just not nominated. Know that. How fascinating. Yeah, I've just realised the film that that most reminds me of, in, in, in that it's slightly unclassifiable, is perhaps being John Malkovich. Which was a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not saying necessarily it's a masterpiece, but I'm just saying, you know, it's really hard to describe to people what, what the film is. And you don't quite know, whenever you think you've got your footing, you haven't. Well, it's anyway, not so, so much a multiverse as a metaverse. Yeah. Uh, yes. It's also been nominated for another Golden Globe for Best Screenplay by the directors and Best Picture of the Year. That's six nominations at the Golden mm. Globe Awards. Mm. So you are not alone. I am just in my Not that corner. I place much credence in the Golden Globes. I think it's always rather foolish well, to do so. But... Yeah, I've got... I've got a bit well, maybe later in the, on in this program, I have a real beef with the Golden Globes. But at number two, we have mm. another cartoon following on from um, Sing Two, a film with Julie Andrews as Marlena Grew playing the voicing oh, oh, right. mother of That's, Steve Carell. That is that one of the Minions films, which you adore, of course. Yes, of course, Minions: The Rise of Grew. I did enjoy the film at number one, which made, I will say this, it made £83 million, 280,000 um, quid. It did incredibly well in spite of everything. Top Gun, Maverick, of course. So we had 
Tom Hanks at number eight and Tom Cruise at number one for the box office. And may before we go on, I would like to break from all these figures and just mm. may I sort of tell you what my favourite films of the year were? That would be splendid, James. I would like that enormously. I'm imagining not all of them are in that top ten. You're absolutely right. There's not a single one in the top ten. So <laughs> this is a totally new list. Uh, at number ten was a Norwegian film directed by Joachim Shria, The Worst Person in the World, which I just thought was so original and moving. Yes. At number which I nine. Liked, which I liked as well, enormously. Good, good. Yeah. And I'm sorry that you didn't see the film at number nine, which is Emily with um, Emma Mackey. Brilliant playing Emily Bronte, directed by Francis yeah. O'Connor. I wanted to. I, th- I think that goes on to Curzon Home Video or something like that, doesn't it? Which I I, I don't subscribe to. I can't afford yet yet another you know, no. streaming service, mm. and unfortunately, it's it's going to be a long time, I think, before I get a chance to watch it. I was very glad to see that Frances O'Connor, of course, who was an actress and is an actress, uh, mm. was nominated in the London Film Critics Circle Awards for Breakthrough Filmmaker. Because she wrote it and she directed yes. it. And what I like about the film is that she doesn't show off. She's got such a confidence in the material that she's putting on screen. And she just lets Emma Mackey do her work. And that wonderful screenplay. And it looks sensational. And talking of everything films, films beginning with everything, mm-hmm. everything went fine. I think really passed under the radar, which is directed by my favourite French director, Francois Ozon, which was a deeply moving occasionally very funny and incredibly thought-provoking film with Sophie Marceau and André de Sullier. Uh, He gave one of the best performances of the year, I think, and Mm. I'm just so sorry. I mean, I'm sure it did really well in France, but it kind of went under the radar over here. But another foreign language film, official competition from Gaston Duprat and Mariano Cohn with the wonderful Penelope Cruz, it possibly the best performance I think she's ever given as a completely wacky filmmaker. Uh, official competition with Antonio Banderas. Oh, yes. I wanted to see that, and it just sort of vanished quite quickly. Again, that is available on Curzon Home Cinema if you want oh. to catch up with it. I just thought it was so funny and so yeah. clever. Sadly, Curzon Home Cinema charges almost as much as all the other streaming services do, do and I just, uh, you know, I'm sorry. just can't take another one on. And yeah. now, the next film, I guarantee... You should avoid. And now I'm telling you, you should avoid. This is called Fresh. This is my horror title of the year. But it was so imaginative, inventive, stylish, so well done. And Daisy Edgar Jones was brilliant in it. When I voted for it in the London Film Critics Circle Awards, I was appalled to see that it wasn't in even in the aid memoir to remind critics uh, what films yeah. are around. Because I just thought, of its a genre... You could not better it. And I don't care what the genre is. If it, if it ticks all the right boxes, if it's well done, whether it's a horror film or a musical, mm, mm. I will embrace it. And I thought Fresh was absolutely brilliant. Okay, moving up to number five, I think you might agree with me, The Swimmers, which thanks to you, I've only just relatively recently saw and I thought that was absolutely brilliant about the two Syrians who, with Olympic hopes, uh, became refugees escaping from Putin's mm. bombs on Damascus. Um, it just worked on so many different levels. And 
I believe I agree. it. I agree. Yeah. And that's, that's on Netflix, so anybody can see, see that if they've got a Netflix subscription. If yes. they've got a Netflix subscription, yes. And she said, may still be in some cinemas, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. Again, directed by a woman, Maria Schrader, who used to be an actress, uh, with Kerry Mulligan, who's just been nominated for a Golden Globe. And it was just so intelligent. And that was nuanced, unlike Antoine Fuqua's new film, mm. Emancipation which, um, incidentally, for anybody who was listening to the show last week, is available on Apple TV+, Plus, which is the new Will, Will Smith slave drama. Uh, at number three, Triangle of Sadness, in my personal top ten, directed by, again, probably one of my two favourite European directors, Ruben Erstlund, who did uh, The Square, and um, he, he is Swedish. And I thought the Triangle of Sadness. I've seen it three times now, in spite of the fact it's almost three hours. <laughs> I don't know how you find the time. Okay. Well, I like to share my cinematic joys with my friends. And if they're willing to trust me, and luckily my friends do, mm. uh, they come along and it's just revisiting that pleasure through the eyes of somebody that you're fond mm. of. Mm. My second favourite film I've also seen three times this year, uh, again, it's just been nominated for two Golden Globes for Braith Fines and Anya Taylor-Joy, and that's The Menu. Exquisite satire, which you still haven't seen. I I haven't. I will try and get to see it. It looks like it's hanging around the charts for a while. I'll tell you what, James, why don't we take a break now and let people won't wait to find out what your favourite film of the entire year was. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose in conversation with James Cameron Wilson for the business of film. And as it is the end of year, time for James to reflect on 2022. Um, we've discovered what the top films were in the chart. And now it's James's top films uh, in his personal list for 2022. And we don't know yet, though, what number one is. And I'm intrigued because well, there's a film you haven't mentioned that I'm not sure is going to be your number one. And I'm surprised it's not in the other 10, but we'll see. OK, so what is your favourite film? It's altogether? so hard because, so, I mean, I should do top 20 but we don't have time <laughs> what was interesting in the top 10 highest grossing films they were all either remakes or sequels i mean most of them were sequels mm -hmm. except for uncharted with tom holland which was so successful this got bound to be, i think there is already going to be an uncharted 2 mm -hmm. but my favorite film of 2022 is actually a remake so what could it be it's a foreign language film. And it wasn't long ago that I saw the original, which was made 100 years ago. So it can only be All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, yes, yes, which, which I still have now. not seen. I can't help feeling that, yeah, one needs to 
really somewhat of a lot of courage to actually see the film, let alone participate in it. Well, um, you need a lot of time and a lot of courage, but it is a stunning masterpiece. I have seen the Lewis Milestone um, film a long time ago. The, what was that, 1930-something? I can't remember when when it was. Um, uh, earlier than that. Was it? Okay, I can't remember. And so The Banshees of Inisherin, which is one of my favourite films of the year, that's not anywhere in your top ten, gracious. Well, what a lot of fantastic films you must have seen then, James. I'm oh, just absolutely. sorry that it's becoming more and more difficult to see these films afterwards unless one does the old-fashioned thing of, of um, buying DVDs. Mm, I know, I know. Um, anyway, well... That's great. So, um, where, do you, where are you going to take us, where are you going to take us um, now, James? Well, I just wanted to say that um, All Quiet on the Western Front, the original, was actually 1930. Oh, was it? I it was, okay, I thought it was slightly later, but yes. that was. I mean, a staggeringly impressive film at the, at the time. I mean, eminently believable. And, you know, it was only three years after they introduced sound to movies. And to begin with, you could hardly move a, a microphone. Well, so, indeed, yeah. yes. Um, so. If anybody's seen Singing in the Rain, we know what you're talking about. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, then that's a great idea for something to watch over the holidays, James. Thank you for reminding me. I've yeah, seen that for a few yeah. years. Well, do you know what I saw? Uh, I have, as you know, I have these film nights where I invite people around. Hmm. I saw Day for Night again. What oh, a joy God, that I've... was on Blu-ray. La Nuit Américaine. Yeah, w- indeed, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen that since I first saw it, that. Jacqueline Biss is in that. Is that yeah, she plays yeah. Um, Julie Baker. I Although seen, I don't think it's I've only a best ever performance. Seen that once. Oh, I've only seen that once, I confess. It's just such a joy. I do recommend it if you can get hold of it. Uh, one of the best films. Well, you say in your classic film guide, one of the best films about filmmaking experience ever yes. made. It's a long and time I've forgotten that Graham... Little, a little anecdote, which I only found out after watching it. Um, Graham Greene has a role in it. The writer, the novelist, yes. Graham Greene. And he was a huge fan of Truffaut, and he managed to wangle a cameo in the film just to work with Truffaut. I did not know that. What he didn't realise that was Truffaut was a huge fan of Graham Greene. He didn't know that the actor playing the lawyer was, in fact, the novelist Graham Greene. And only later, Truffaut found out, and said, <laughs> but I wanted to meet him when you directed <laughs> but- him. That, that is amazing? extraordinary. Because Green was, of course, for a while, the film critic of The Spectator, wasn't he? And then of got course. into terrible trouble for um, uh, a comment he made about Shirley Temple. Anyway, let us progress onwards, James. Well, yeah, I, I talked about my top ten films. And one thing you might not have picked up on, but I'm quite... It, I came up with my top ten before realising this, and I was going through it, and I thought, okay... Frances O'Connor directed Emily. Mimi mm. Cave, even though it's a horror film, directed Fresh. Sally L. Hosseini directed The Swimmers. Maria Schrader directed She Said. So 10 of my films are directed by women. Mm. And I think it's a really fertile time now for female directors. But when you look at the, Oscar, uh, the Golden Globe nominations, there isn't a single female director there. Really? Well, that's rather um, disquieting, though you know, one has to say about the Golden Globes, despite the fact that they've managed to to place themselves in the sort of international film awards um, list somewhere just below the, the Oscars, and I suspect ahead of BAFTAs, 
there's only something like 80 or 90 foreign film journalists who actually get to vote in the Golden Globes. Members of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. And, well, my list doesn't even include the much-touted Sarah Polly film, Women Talking, with Jesse Buckley, or Gina Prince-Bywood, who did The Woman King. She's getting a lot of uh, awards buds. Or Charlotte Wells, who, after her film After Sun, which got a slew of awards, uh, nominations at the London Film Critics Circle. None of these were nominated by the Golden Globes. Um, And one should say as well, that unlike most other awards where people are either participants in the industry or are critics, these aren't, by and large, mostly critics. They're people who write, you know, um, puff pieces quite often about films. You know, it's it's they're writing journalism about movies. They're not actually analysing the movies in any form, by and large. Yeah, yeah. And they've meant to have really improved their act. So they've opted to spotlight in the directorial ca- hmm. category such exciting newcomers as James Cameron, Baz <laughs> Luhrmann, uh, Martin yeah. McDonough and Steven Spielberg for Best Director. Forgive well, okay, Martin, Martin my sarcasm. Yeah. Well, I know, but I know. yes, I know. It's not. It's not exactly white tr- men who yeah. have always been nominated by yes, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, yeah. and there are all these wonderful new films, fresh films directed by these amazing female filmmakers, and they've completely yeah. been overlooked yet again. Yeah. And it's the same old argument trotted out every year. When will they learn? They have not improved. Anyway, sorry. I get so cross about the Golden Globes. I'm, I'm not surprised. I, I'm, what's really surprising is just how, how how much importance is attached to them by everybody else. I know, I know. Anyway, I thought it would be fun um, just to have a look, because we were talking about how much Avatar The Way of Water mm. costs, to look at the top 10 most expensive films ever made. Okay. So I want you to concentrate. Okay, I'm going yeah. to start at number 10. Okay, we haven't got much time. Okay. Okay, number 10, starring Taylor Kitsch and Samantha Morton, the 10th most expensive film ever made. It cost $264 million. No no idea. And it was an absolute catastrophe. A film called John Carter. Oh, gosh, yes. God, I've forgotten about that. It was the heaven's gate of its time. Yeah. At number nine, we've got a film with... Richard E. Grant and Daisy Ridley, which cost $275 million. Is that one of the and Star Wars ones? Yes, well done. I, I should also... Well, Carrie Fisher got top billing. Okay, Star right. Wars, <laughs> very good, very good. Star yeah. Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. At number eight, this film cost $275 million as well. So it's, I suppose it's, um, it ties with number nine. Hmm. With Woody Harrelson and Amelia Clark, and I'll forgive you for not knowing this. Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, okay, right. Number six. Again, this ties with the next film. This was um, cost three hundred million with Ben Affleck and Jeremy Irons. Any thoughts? And no. many other people, like Henry Cavill, uh, of course, Justice League. Oh, God. Okay, right. And, uh, and we're going to well, get lots yeah. of superhero movies here, aren't we? Yes. Okay. Well, at number six, we've got, uh, again, Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow. 
Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End also cost $300 million. Mm-hmm. The next film at number five cost $325 million. But then it did make a hell of a lot of its money. But, well, it, it was one of the most successful films of all time. Avengers Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Number four, Avatar, The Way of Water, the new Kate Winslet film, who I didn't even mention was in it in my review. But she's got a very small part. She plays one of the Reef people, one of the Na- the new Na'vi. Mm-hmm. And I just wondered why she was in it. Anyway, uh, Avatar, The Way of Water, cost $350 million, And that's a moderate figure, conservative estimate. Yes. yes. At number three, Avengers yeah. Endgame cost $356 million. And well, another Avengers film at number two. But these all made enormous amounts of money. 365 million. So what is the most expensive film of all time to date until maybe Avatar 5? Uh, I'll give you a clue. Ian McShane. Is another it? one of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Yes. And Pelé Cruz. You mentioned Johnny. that earlier, though, didn't you? That's cheating slightly because I think you mentioned it when you were talking about um, um, Way of Water last week. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. So that was Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, cost $379 million to make. And you look at a film like The Swimmers, which is set all over the world, filmed yeah. all over the world, and was made for the catering bill. Yes, yes, exactly. Made on a shoestring. James, thank you very much for the, not just for this, but for all um, your contributions to 2022. I've learned a lot. I've been to see some great films as a result of what you have um, told me. uh, And I've managed to avoid some that I'm very glad you warned me away from. Uh, But we'll be back with more business of film in the new year. But that's it from James Campbell Wilson and me, Simon Rose. Did you just look at me? Did you? Look at me! Look at me! How dare you! Close your eyes! There are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. <laughs>